0: Nuggets numbers. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night as I am podcasting on an abnormal evening. It is 11:51 p.m. I uh, thought I'd be going to bed by now. though you guys probably know that my schedule is awful when it comes to going to bed late. If you've seen me on Twitter, I'm usually up until three, four o'clock in the morning because that's just what I do. Uh, this is a great day to be up late, though, because the Nuggets they into the the end of the night. They they rally and have a great great win, one thirty to one twenty six in overtime, coming back from what was really an ugly first half. It was really really bad, and I think that it's important to focus on that, but also categorize it as hey, this is just what the Nuggets do. This is what they like to do. They, they mess around a little bit for the first section of the game, and then they, then they get it going. Uh, I thought the bench was, once again, great. I'm going to be talking about them in the second segment. First segment, I'll talk about the starters and some overarching thoughts. Third segment, talk about what this means for tomorrow, Saturday, because this team is going to play the Phoenix Suns once again uh, tomorrow. And it's going to be going to be quite interesting to see how in a in a very close game and a very contested game, how these teams react. I'll talk about that in the third segment, along with some bigger picture thoughts. Uh, But first, let's talk about the starters. It was really ugly in the first half. Uh, At the end of the first half, I believe Jokic was a minus 21, uh, which which is very surprising, given that he's usually the best plus minus guy on the Nuggets. He's usually the guy who has the greatest impact, as opposed to the guy who seems to be anchoring the team. And I don't think it was all his fault. I think there there's a lot of leverage that the Suns put on this Nuggets team, especially their starting unit. Uh, given the way that Phoenix likes to shoot the ball, and given the way that Chris Paul runs the show, he had, I think, 12 assists in the first half, maybe even 14. He finished with 15. That should show you just how well the Nuggets turned this thing around defensively. Uh, They gave up 27 points in the third quarter, only 19 in the fourth. Uh, Denver came back and and did a really good job, and it it started with those starters in that third quarter. Uh, I thought that Murray had a sneaky good game. 18 points on 19 shots is something you don't ever want to see. He went 0 of 5 from 3. That's never great, but finished with 9 assists. Seven rebounds, three steals, four turnovers. He did have a block as well. Um, Murray was all over the place. He played with a lot of energy. He played with a lot of uh, physicality. I thought his because his shot wasn't falling, he decided that he wanted to get to the rim. And, and he got to the rim with Reckless Abandon on several occasions. So he finished 8 of 14. While he likes to take a lot of mid-range shots as well, so that number is obviously going to be less efficient. But he got to the rim tonight and, and did a really nice job, especially when that bench unit was out there in the fourth quarter. Uh, Murray was out there as well. He got the nod over Faku Kampazo in the in the second half, and he did a great job of really bouncing back. Back to Jokic though, because I think that's that's the guy who. Actually, no. Let's let's last thing on Murray. The clutch dagger that he hit at the end of overtime uh, with about 34, 32 seconds left over Mikhail Bridges, that's exactly what you want to see from Jamal Murray. Mikhail Bridges is a really tough matchup for him because of the length, the athleticism, the physicality, the height, uh, but he shook Bridges like it was nothing on that last possession. And that's what you want to see from Murray, who he's really had his struggles over the course of the last few games. Uh, I was planning on on berating him for for uh, despite the fact that he does have a hurt elbow and like that's clearly been impacting him. He's been messing around with it ever since he had that injury back in Game Three of the season. Uh, Murray has been really good and was really good tonight. He was a plus eight in a in a game where the entire starting unit outside of him was a negative in the plus minus category. Murray was a plus eight. Did a great job with that bench unit made things happen. Uh, Really impressive stuff from him. Um, Two other guys that I want to give credit to, Gary Harris, Will Barton. After some lackluster defensive performances in the first half, those guys really brought it in the second half and especially in overtime. Uh, Gary Harris drew a key charge that Suns fans really, really wanted to be a foul against him. in that fourth quarter period, I'm pretty sure. Or no, maybe it was overtime. I can't remember. No, it was, it was uh, fourth quarter. Um, he drew a charge on Devin Booker, who elbowed him in the face. And it was a challenge uh, that Malone undertook. He got the call changed. Uh, was a charge. Uh, Harris did a great job on Devin Booker, despite the fact that the stat line looks really good from Booker. 31 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds he did have five turnovers and that production really sapped in in the second half and in overtime. Booker's going to be he's going to be really good. He gets his buckets, he knows exactly what he's got to do. But when it wasn't Booker, uh Gary Harris was defending Chris Paul pretty well. And I thought that he did a really nice job. I thought that Murray did a really nice job as well. He stays very engaged. He does a great job of using his positioning. Uh he Murray has done a much better job of predicting where the defense is going to go this season. And and then he gets to the spot first. He has drawn a lot of charges that way, drawn a lot of offensive fouls. Uh, That's one of the reasons why this team defense should be better than it is. But uh, more on Harris and Barton. They're driving to the rim. Their aggressiveness, uh, Barton's clutch play in the second half and in OT, he hit all six of his free throws in the clutch, uh, was perfect. Uh, in, in those stretches. He did have a couple of shots that once again, they roll off the rim and, and it looks pretty bad, but he still had 17 points on just 10 shots. And that's exactly what you want to see from a guy like that. Gary Harris does a great job of driving from that left corner. Uh, he has made a, a real nice home in that left corner for the Nuggets. Uh, hit is only three from there. Uh, he's a very nice target for Nikola Jokic. And when he does get that strong closeout from a defensive player he does a great job of attacking the rim and really making that defender pay uh harris was awesome very impressed with what i saw from him he went seven of nine uh from two point range and let me just check the uh the shot chart on him because i think most of those were right at the rim yeah he has uh five makes right under the rim uh he had a really nice uh floater actually on on the right side of the paint and then he had another driving layup on the left side. So he did a really great job of attacking the rim tonight. Uh, it was one of the reasons why Denver's offense was so efficient was because some of those times they they don't get those shots to go down from both Harris and Barton. This time around they did. Paul Millsap is still struggling. Uh, he did go 4 of 7 tonight, went 4 of 4 from the free throw line. He does still find ways to contribute. And that is important from from a position like his where he's only going to play three stints. He's only going to play in the first, second, and third quarters. uh, And his minutes are always going to be lesser than than the other starters. But he has had a really, really tough time, especially against the Suns team, when he has to close out from the paint. And he can't move all the way to the closeout against a team like, like... the Suns with Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, bigger wings that have a high release point. He has to get so far out there and cover so much ground that it's, it's very difficult for him. And it's one of the reasons why Denver has gone with well, Will Barton a power forward in the clutch, uh, PJ Dozier a power forward. They sometimes go with Jamichael Green, but more often than not, they go small. And for good reason. Like, I, I do think that Porter's gonna end up there eventually, but like right now they're they're in a position where they need to play small because they need to have guys that they can have get out to the perimeter on that weak side kick out three. Uh, if Millsap can't do it, then it's going to be a problem for Denver going forward. And I wanted to share this point before hitting a break. Um this isn't Denver's best lineup anymore. The starting lineup: uh, Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic. It's a really strong unit, but it's not their best group. It is just it just happens to be the group that has the best chemistry. Those guys know how to play together. They've been together for the better part of three and a half years. Uh, they know how each guy operates. They know what each guy's role is when he's on the floor. Millsap understands how to operate on the the dunker spot when Jokic has the ball in the middle of the floor. Uh, he also hits the spot up threes on, on frequent occasion. Uh, Gary Harris and Will Barton know exactly how Jokic is going to operate. Murray plays off of that beautifully as well. Uh, that group has great chemistry, but it's not their best lineup. And I think that we're going to be trapped in a situation where Malone may decide that he wants to default to that lineup, but I think that that would be a mistake. Uh, that group is, doesn't feature the most talented players on the Nuggets anymore. And disp- like even though talent doesn't make everything, the Nuggets have to be geared for the playoffs. They have to be geared for the present and the future. They have to understand that they can't just rely on that lineup and, and kind of shirk the responsibilities of developing their other players with that group. Malone clearly trusts Monte Morris. He clearly trusts uh, P.J. Dozier. He has to get to a point where he trusts Michael Porter Jr. as well, and so we'll see how it continues to develop, but I'm looking forward to having that conversation with everybody because it is a good conversation. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this bench because they have been great. We will be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. We're back. Nuggets numbers. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you for tuning in on an abnormal recording time. Uh, Posting a podcast on a Saturday is not something that I normally do, but I wanted to get this out. I had some thoughts on my chest that that I needed to get off there. So uh, Let's talk about the bench because this group is going to be very fascinating for Denver uh, going into the next couple of games, going into the rest of the season, uh, because there's a lot of talent there. And I tend to think that Denver's most talented group is actually the bench at this point outside of Jokic and Murray. Uh, You have Monte Morris. You have Faku Kompazo, who's kind of in and out of there. You have P.J. Dozier, who has really acquitted himself well. You have Michael Porter Jr., who I think he will transition into being a starter in the near future. But for now, he's their bench four, and he looked pretty good doing it. And then you have Jermichael Green, who kind of bounces between that four and that five, does a great job of both. When he's next to somebody who is a bigger four, I think he looks a lot better than when he's next to four guards. So having Porter there gives Denver an opportunity to play small and not really be small. Uh, Porter is the size of a power forward. Jermichael Green is the size of kind of a hybrid power forward center combo, and he does a great job with it. He spaces the floor really well. Um, So Denver has had some success with this group. Uh, they also have Isaiah Hartenstein, by the way, who didn't play tonight. I think that's important to discuss. Uh, but I wanted to talk about this bench and, and really give them credit. Uh, Monte Morris, he's his normal steady self, but he had some incredible finishes around the rim tonight. He just continues to do a great job of of really showing where his game has grown over the course of his uh, basically three years of playing. Uh He has always been steady. He's always been the assist to turnover king. But there are times where he isn't as comfortable with his shot or hasn't been. Now he's very comfortable taking the shots that he needs to take in order to win games. 6 of 10 tonight, 1 of 3 from behind the three-point line, felt like more. He had a big, uh, big, big bucket where Porter launched a, a pass underneath the rim to Jamal Murray, basically from the opposite side of the court and Murray kicked it out to Morris in the corner, and he hit just a huge three. Um, I think it put Denver up at that point. Uh, but yeah, all five of Morris's two-point attempts were in the restricted area. They were right under the rim. He was able to get to the rim despite his size, despite his uh, the apparent lack of uh, physicality and athleticism that he was described as when he came out of college. He was the, he was going to be the scrappy college point guard that made a rotation in the NBA because of his smarts, because of his brain, because he does the right things. Now he's just turned into a flat out good player. He attacks the rim and he puts so much pressure on the opposing team when he can get downhill. It's unbelievable watching him. And sometimes when, when he's finishing, uh, There was a transition finish that he had where he basically dove right into the defender, turned his body sideways, and and just muscled the ball up and over the rim off the backboard. Uh, It was unbelievable to watch him in transition work. Uh, He also does a great job defensively where he's never going to blow an assignment. Uh, He's always in the right spot, and half of defense is being in the right place at the right time. It's effort, but like... Being in the right place at the right time is is probably the most important thing defensively. Uh, if you can predict what the opposing team is going to do, it doesn't mean that the height and athleticism and physicality those things while important in like in uh, demoralizing an opponent, uh, the positioning is almost as important, if not more so. So Morris did a great job tonight. Uh, Faku Kompazo, let's talk about him really briefly. He is the 10th or 11th man in the rotation, depending on what Denver is going to want to do. Uh, he had seven minutes tonight. He was a casualty in the minutes department because Denver wanted to stagger Murray with that fourth with that fourth quarter group. And I thought that that was the right call by Malone. Uh, putting Morris, Murray, Dozier, Porter, and Green on the floor at the same time that was a really great lineup choice it's it's probably denver's best group uh, outside of a nikola jokic unit and and i thought it was a very impressive move by him probably the best move that he's made all season in terms of his rotation so good credit to him uh, faku it's 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 tough uh, i'll talk about it more in the third segment but it's a, it's a tough place that he's in right now because he is good enough to be a contributor but but not on this roster it's, it's just not going to be a fit, I don't think. Uh, PJ Dozier, he had some impressive finishes at the rim as well. Uh, three rebounds, two assists, six points, one steal, uh, zero turnovers. He had the lowest plus minus of that bench group tonight, which is fine. He did have some possessions where he was the defender, the primary guy, and Booker went right at him. Uh, Javon Carter hit a three right in his grill. Uh he got he was kind of the benefit like the the uh he he was at the weakness of whatever i'm trying to say he was the guy that that benefited the least or, or was affected the most that's what we'll say he was affected the most by bad shooting luck uh jay crowder banked in a three uh from from like 29 feet on a turnaround three it was it was unbelievably annoying uh but Javon Carter also hit a three in Dozer's grill, like right as the shot clock expired, and that's just tough. Like despite all the great defense that you can play, uh, and it was great defense. Dozer continues to earn my respect because of what he's done on the defensive end. Uh, it was it was tough. It was tough for him for sure. Uh, but he only had 14 minutes. That's probably the right amount for him. 14 minutes of uh, mostly positively impactful play. Uh, he's going to be that fourth or fifth guard, depending on what you consider Barton. Uh, it's going to be Murray. It's going to be Harris. It's going to be Barton. It's going to be Morris. Dozier's that guy that bounces between the the shooting guard, the small forward, and the power forward position, defending depending on the lineup. And that's everything that he played tonight. He did actually spend, it, it was a very brief stretch in the second quarter that he spent uh, at the shooting guard spot, but I want to see more of it because that's probably a good lineup where Denver can get some physical advantages for sure. Michael Porter. I wanted to leave him until now. His debut was off the bench and it was mostly good. It was mostly fine. Like there was nothing wrong with it. 20 minutes, seven points, three of seven from the field, one of four from three, six rebounds, two assists, one steal. Again, mostly good. Uh, he was a plus, um, a plus nine, uh, mostly a byproduct of the things that Morris and Murray and, and guys like that were doing. However, it was still good, and it was good to see him be integrated back into that rotation. I like splitting his minutes between the small forward and power forward positions. Uh, he mostly played power forward tonight, but he did spend some time at the small forward, and that's what you want to see. You want to see him being used in a versatile way. And as he continues to be ingrained into what Denver's doing, he'll probably move back into the starting small forward spot at times. I think he will eventually move into that, uh, to that closing power forward role next to Jokic, and we'll talk about that in the third segment. Uh, and Michael Green, I, I mentioned he, was, he was, he's a good rotational defender. He wasn't super impactful tonight. He was fine. Decent minutes, not as involved with MPJ on the floor. That's more to be expected. I like what he can do as the power forward next to another big. But if he's the center in a lineup that features uh, Michael Porter at power forward, that's perfectly fine. Denver has enough size to, to make that work, especially against a team like the Suns, where they were playing Frank Kaminsky at center when DeAndre Ayton wasn't out there. So that's what you need. You need somebody who can defend on the perimeter just as well as they protect the rim. And that's what Jermichael Green does. He's basically just solid all around. So good stuff from him. Again, no Isaiah Hartenstein tonight. This wasn't an Isaiah Hartenstein night. He probably won't play again tomorrow or in the in the second Suns game in a row. Uh, that's not to say that he's cut from the rotation. Denver will certainly have more opportunities to play against teams uh, that feature a backup big that, that Hartenstein should be matching up with. But As we saw with the starting unit, playing a traditional set against the Suns is a bad idea because of the way that they space the floor. Um, But against Dallas, Dallas is going to be Denver's next opponent on January 25th. That is Monday. Um, They'll have Boban in all likelihood, and that's a great matchup for Hartenstein. He has to be out there for that. Okay, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to talk more about the long-term, what this game meant for the game on Saturday, and how things are going to continue to develop. We'll be right back. And we're back. Nuggets Numbers, Ryan Blackburn here. A final segment on this on this show. Uh, I wanted to do this podcast because I thought it would be interesting to talk about the adjustments and what this team really found out in the first game and how they could apply that to the game on Saturday because they are going to play the same team again. They're going to play the Suns immediately after a 130-126 to 126 overtime showing. Uh, this is a tough spot for Denver. Because in this case, you want to, you want to split this series. And, and they already got the first one. They're kind of playing with house money right now on the road. It would be really, really impressive if they went 2-0. If they went 1-1, and would anybody really be upset? No, I don't think so. I think that the Suns have really proved that they're a good team. And being able to take two straight games on the road in their building on two straight days would show a lot about this about this Nuggets group. So let's talk about how they can do it. Let's talk about what we learned. Um, I want to talk about starting lineup adjustments. There aren't going to be any changes in all likelihood uh, in terms of the the actual rotation. I think that the rotation that we saw on Friday night is going to be the same rotation that we see on Saturday night, uh, barring foul trouble, injuries, uh, general play, what, what have you. Uh, but this will be the plan going into things. And what that means to me is that Denver has to find a better way uh, to help Nikola Jokic in the pick and roll. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, They have to find a better way to help Nikola Jokic in the pick and roll than to just have Paul Millsap as the backside rim protector because he's the guy defending Mikhail Bridges. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is very dangerous, and he clearly showed that tonight. He started the game 6 of 6 from 3. Uh, The other option that that you'd have Paul Millsap on is Cam Johnson, who is also very dangerous as a three-point shooter. He's not as efficient, but he is just as lethal. He gets up so many shots in such a brief amount of time. Cam Johnson wasn't as good on Friday. He could be great on Saturday. So I don't think it's as simple as switching that matchup. I think that Denver has to find a better way uh, to drop Nikola Jokic back into the paint in all likelihood and have him guard from under the rim as opposed to at the level. Uh, they might give up some mid range shots. They might give up some open jumpers to really good players and Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But I think you probably live with that over giving up open three point shots to really good three point shooters at the beginning of a game because it gets them into rhythm. It got Mikhail Bridges into rhythm and he was perfectly ready to go. Uh, Throughout this game, he finished six of eight, but like him, him hitting his first six shots in a row was really debilitating for Denver. So if I were the Nuggets, I would start the game and drop coverage on defense. Let Chris Paul and Devin Booker get their mid-range shots. Uh, Don't allow DeAndre Ayton to get offensive rebounds and just live with the results. If you can get a good rear view challenge from Jamal Murray, from Gary Harris, from Will Barton, then great. That's what you hope for. You hope to force those guys to shoot about 50% on those looks. And then if you collect all of the rebounds, if you collect, uh, if you force a couple turnovers here or there, then that's great. And then your offense on the other end is going to be potent. And that's, that's kind of what you have to do. As I said, likely no lineup adjustments, which means likely another bench game for Michael Porter Jr. That's perfectly fine. There is no reason to rush him back into the starting lineup. I will go ahead and say and bet that tomorrow is the last time that we see Porter coming off the bench, though. I would expect him to be in the lineup against the Dallas Mavericks. I I wouldn't expect him tomorrow, though, because Denver just won a really emotional game in overtime, and they're going to play the same team again in 24 hours. So that's a a very important factor in all of this, that you probably don't want to make the starting lineup change against the same team. Just go with the similar game plan make some small adjustments. Uh, but Porter, he only took seven shots in his first 20 minutes back. I think that that's the right call, but I would hope that Denver can get him some better looks with that bench unit. Uh, if Faku Camposo is going to play, he had a really nice assist to him under the rim. I hope that maybe Faku could link up with him on some shots. Uh, maybe Monte Morris could link up with him on some shots. But you could tell based off of the way that he was playing that he got into the game for about two, three minutes was very deferrent uh, was was going to allow the team to continue to do the things that they wanted to do uh, with the ball. And then when he got the ball he had his first opportunity, he made a shot, then he immediately tried to take another shot and that's just a young player that's trying to get hot that's trying to do the things that they need to do to uh, be the be the walking bucket that he is. Denver can get him into a better rhythm, though. They need to get him under the rim. They need to get him to be in a position where he starts the game by seeing the ball go through the net, and then once he sees it, then the the outside shot will get to go, too. Right now, Denver has nine guys that they really trust, and two others that are on the fringes. You have the current starting unit, which is Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic, and then you have four bench guys. Morris, Dozier, Porter, and Green. Faku, uh, he is going to be the guy that when you're facing a smaller team, he's going to be the guy out there that Malone goes with. When you face a larger team with a bigger backup center, you're going to see Isaiah Hartenstein. They're, they're both matchup dependent. They're both guys that Malone has had trouble trusting. He will probably continue to have trouble trusting. Uh, Denver doesn't necessarily have the best personnel, but with this current configuration, if, if their starting lineup can, can be positive, the bench lineup should be really good, especially if you're staggering Murray with that group, if you have to stagger Jokic with that group at times. Uh, that's a pretty good mix, and, and I like what I've seen from them for sure. Uh, but you have to find the right way to orient these players. I think that's so important when talking about uh, the matchups, when talking about who is in the best position to succeed at a different time. Uh, like Millsap is not in a great position to succeed when he's starting against this Phoenix Suns team, but Denver isn't going to overreact with their starting lineup. They have to adjust. They have to find a way to make the Phoenix Suns pay for having smaller players, smaller perimeter players guarding Paul Millsap. Uh, I don't. That's not posting him up. I, I I wouldn't do that. He's he's kind of past that game, but. If they're going to defend him like that, then they have to see Paul Millsap hit a couple of threes as well. Uh, Denver was 6 of 26 from the three-point line tonight. It's frankly a miracle that they won and had such a great offense. They were so efficient outside of their their three-point shooting. Uh, If they can get that three-point shot going, I think this game is a little bit better looking. Uh, It doesn't go to overtime. It's it's in a better spot. Um, But finding... Better ways to put these guys into a better position is important. I think that the bench is in a really good place right now. Uh, and when Jamal Murray comes in with the bench, he's also in a really good spot because he'll have a couple of bigger forwards that he can match up with, uh, with with Porter and with, with Green. And then he Monte next to him and Dozier to kind of be the, the defensive do-it-all guy. So Denver's in a good spot right now. They have to have a, find a better mix of three point defense earlier in the game. Uh, like I said, I think they should play drop coverage a little bit more with Jokic. Uh, try to prevent the easier three point shots. Uh, it has, at least make them hard for for those kinds of shooters. Uh, Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges will take contested threes because they are those level of shooters. If you if they're gonna take them, then you might as well be as close as possible. So uh, do the best thing that they can and, and try to get out there as quickly as possible, because those guys are lethal, for sure. And then I mentioned the closing lineup. Uh, It was Morris, Murray, Harris, Barton, and Jokic tonight. Eventually, uh, Porter's going to take that power forward spot. Uh, Occasionally, Dozier for Morris is a good option as a defensive sub. Uh, If they want to go full defense, they could go with... uh, with Dozier at power forward or Green, at po- actually, Green at power forward, Dozier at small forward, Harris at shooting guard, and then Murray. Uh, there are good options for Denver defensively. Uh, despite the fact that they don't have the perfect wing defender, uh, they don't need that against a team like the Suns, who have two Enfuego guards. They need great guard defenders, and that's something that Gary Harris does really well. So when people talk about just making these massive adjustments. It's important to understand that it's not for everybody. There are teams that Gary Harris will continue to excel against, and I think that the Suns are one of them. He matches up well physically, matches up well uh, play style wise. Uh, will Barton should continue to have good games against this team as well. Uh, they try to defend Barton with uh, their weak de- their weak defender for sure in that in that starting lineup. That was Cam Johnson this time around. Maybe it's Jay Crowder next time around. Uh, but either way, I think that Will Barton should have a good opportunity to continue what he's doing, uh, along with Murray, along with Jokic. If Porter closes the game tomorrow, then great. Uh, hopefully Denver's in a situation where they don't have to close out the game. They just they just blew out the Suns. That would be really, really impressive. But even if they go 1-1, one one, it was a good start. They They found a way to win a game. This was a really great win. Uh coming back from, from where they were at the end at the end of the first half. That's very, very impressive. And shout out to Gary Harris, shout out to Will Barton. They really raised their game tonight and deserve some love from Nuggets Nation. So give them credit where credit is due, people. Uh, this team was this was a team win, despite the fact that Murray hit the dagger, despite the fact that Jokic had 31, 10, and 8 despite the fact that Morris continues to do the great things that he does and Porter will garner the attention. There were a lot of people that had their hand in the victory tonight, so credit where credit is due for sure. That's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to watch the game on Saturday night against this same Phoenix Suns team. Uh, should be a lot of fun. These teams are both very competitive with each other. Uh, but, yeah, it should be a lot of fun, and I'll talk to you guys next week.